0: This is Patty Davis, I'm a psychic intuitive and medium coming to you from Humboldt County in
1: Northern California. And I'm Judea, a psychic intuitive energy healer coming to you from the island of Kauai. And together we are Spirit Speakers Podcast where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Aloha and welcome to our next episode on herbalism. I'm here with Patty and Mariana, who is our expert on all things herbal. And we're really excited to dive into this conversation because Mariana is one of the most knowledgeable people that I know when it comes to earth-based medicines. But before we get into it, I would like to announce that patty mariana and i are going to be meeting up this winter on february 23rd to march 2nd in playa de carmen mexico for an eight-day wellness retreat designed around moving through the chakras so we have a lot of exciting activities lined up cacao ceremonies sound baths art workshops musicians uh, excursions specifically to Chichen Itza, which is the Mayan stacked pyramids, which I've always really wanted to go to. So I'm so excited. Please look on my website, com slash Mexico, and you can find all the information about that and be able to hang out with all three of us and explore Mexican culture, art, history, and community offerings. This is going to be a great retreat to bring your partner to because Patty and I are each bringing our husbands, which is going to be really kind of fun and interesting because I don't think Patty or I, either of us, have really had a lot of time to hang out with each other's partners after all these years. So I'm pretty excited about that aspect. And so without further ado, Patty and Mariana, how are you all doing? Hey, Jude. Hi,
0: Mariana. Mariana, thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited about this episode.
2: It is my pleasure, and I'm really, really honored to be here with both of you. You guys have been in my life for so long, and you guys have watched me grow and change and evolve on my path for sure, and so it's really an honor to be here.
1: And for those of you who have listened to our past episodes, Mariana was also featured on our Shamanic Astrology podcast. She's incredibly knowledgeable about the stars, and she is probably one of the most educated seekers of knowledge. You're always taking classes. You're always taking trainings. She has one of the most beautiful apothecaries I've ever been in, which is called Trinity Herbals and Wellness Center in Willow Creek, California. She is like a walking encyclopedia. I could literally ask you anything and you would list off all the herbs, exactly how to do it, how to, you know, concoct them in the most effective way. And, I have so many questions and I know our audience is probably interested in understanding more about herbalism in general. So Mariana, if you could tell us, like, what is your definition of herbalism?
2: That's a pretty loaded question, but I will say that my definition of herbalism is bringing us back to natural living, because if you really think about it, we wouldn't be here without plants, right? Um, plants are sustaining us through our food, our homes, our clothes. And so by nature, if we were to actually acknowledge where all of our resources actually come from the land, we're actually all herbalists. And I believe we all contain this magic within us. You know, it's like even going back to our salad dressing, or we look at what kind of herbs we're putting in our food, those spices, those are all medicines, and they've all been created from a different source to give us what we need, depending on the culture. So it's like you, you know, you go into certain Hispanic cultures, we'll say, we'll use Mexico for an example You know, there's a lot of cayenne in their recipes, and that's for a reason. Um, That's for a lot of killing bacteria in the food, but it's also to keep everybody cool. Even though it is a really heating herb, the perspiration helps to keep everybody cool when it's super, super hot outside. So when we can start to get back to nature with our food and what we surround ourselves with and start to understand that our toothpaste, our shampoo, all of these things, we're using plants nonstop. So my definition of herbalism is an invitation to invite people to honor what plants have been in their lives. What flavors do they really like in their food? What smells do they like? And then starting to realize what have they been working with their whole life already.
0: That's great. So I I wanted to read this thing to you, Maria. I'm sure you've already read it. It's from Blackthorn's Botanical Magic Book, and it is there is virtually no people known to anthropology, however remote, isolated, or primitive which did not practice some form of doctoring with plants. These healing plants exert a beneficial benefit on every important part of the body and may have been carefully chosen to fortify man in his journey to another world. And that's by Barbara Griggs. But I just read this and herbalism is so popular today. And people are really trying to get away from pharmaceuticals or at least pair pharmaceuticals with herbals to get a better benefit. And I know with you, I've come to you and people can go see you as an herbalist and come to you with their aches and pains and their tummy issues and all these things. And you can actually put together a protocol for them using herbs as medicine, correct?
2: Yeah, I can. And it's really helpful for me to get to understand where a person is coming from. So I always have people fill out a consultation form. And that's because, you know, unlike pharmaceuticals, you know, it's um, okay, I've got this going on, here's this one antibiotic, right? We are all very different people. We have different backgrounds, we're different sizes, colors, shapes, all these things in our lives. And we also have different sleep patterns. We have different imbalances. We have different strengths and weaknesses. And so where I can start to understand that in somebody's body, then that pertains to say, for example, there's, you know, there's hundreds of nervine plants. Well, if somebody is like cold in nature, really thin, kind of emaciated, going through, you know, kind of a depletion period in their life, I'm not going to give them a really cold nervine, right? I've got to heat them up. I've got to get them grounded. I got to get them back in their body. And so it's a way of starting to understand how we are like plants. You know, it is our path to individual situation. I think for all of us, herbalism starts with exactly what's going on in the collective. Um, We cannot say there's not shadow present, but when there is shadow present, that's where the real light is, right? All these different structures are falling down. We're starting to see I want to say like, you know, you bring in the pharmaceutical companies, like how we're being placed in this. I want to say victim role, you know, even a lot of the new healing groups and circles that are coming forward, they're keeping people in this victim role, right? We've gotten away from empowerment. We've gotten really in this place of fear. And so a lot of people are starting to seek out, you know, their own pathways and starting to bring plants back into their life and eating more healthy and by nature, because we are nature, we are like plants, people start to become more and more empowered and they start to trust in their own journey. And this is where I like to say, I step in, you know, somebody comes into the shop and they're like, oh, I've got this and this and this going on. And, and, you know, but I'm not really sure. What do you think? And I'm like, trust yourself. You just told me what's going on with you, (laughs) you know? Um, and so it's really kind of fun to dive into people in terms of exactly what's going on and how we can target to bring the, the body back into balance and harmony. But as far as this path of individuation, where we start to, I want to say be like plants and really descend into that dark, that dark place within ourselves. Right. We have to go into this place and it's like, we return back to our original seed. Like, what did we come here to do? What was our mission? Where did we get distracted? Where did these aches and pains actually start to originate? And we, then we can start to grow and change and evolve and come into this like, you know, bigger flower, I want to say. And this is an example I use with plants all the time and with people, which we have not done for ourselves, including myself. You know, I always say you don't see calendula looking at lavender like, oh, God, I wish I was tall and thin and purple. And you know what I mean? It's like plants shine in their gifts and we are supposed to do the same. And um, and I feel like this is what's starting to step back in as to a collective like going back to seed people. you know everything is based on seeds and roots and shoots and flowers, the moon cycle, the sun cycle. And so um you know this you know aspect of herbalism that I feel like is really stepping in is is calling us back to our true nature.
1: Well, I would say nowadays that people have really lost their faith and just working with the raw element just the plant itself. In your experience, how effective? Obviously I'm going to think that you think it's very effective because you've dedicated your life to it. But like in comparison to like modern medicine, like how could you compare, you know, this pill that a doctor is going to give you in the pharmaceutical compared to something natural that somebody can take and like what is the differences that you really see in that?
2: That's a great question. Um, so it depends on what I'm working with, with the person. So usually with, you know, like, let's say an antibiotic, right. Um, pharmaceuticals are are based on the target point in the body, right. Anti-inflammatory, anti-antibiotic. Um, and it's, it's forceful, right. It's so, and if you think about a plant, you know, it's a whole array of things, right. And so, taking, ingesting this plant, it's doing all these other things too, instead of just the antibiotic, which is just an isolated one chemical that has a target point in the body. So if somebody has an infection, you know, and this is going into different ways to administer herbs and when to use them. If somebody has an infection, I'm going to use a tincture. And why am I going to use a tincture? Because the tincture goes straight into the bloodstream. So I need something that's fast acting and that's going to hit it hard. So we use tincture if somebody is working with a chronic illness that I need to build them up, then I'm going to use capsules. I'm going to use powder. I'm going to use tea because that's going to go all the way into the digestive tract and then go through the blood and start to integrate the body. But that takes time. And so there's different methods of using things. And so as far as effectiveness, depending on what's going on with the person, first and foremost, I start with food because food is the one thing that we're putting in our bodies all the time. And so I start to empower people with what it is that they're eating. And I never take anything away. I start to add things. So that they really have no room for the, for the other things, you know, or it starts to become decreased. I start to change their palate, their flavor, and they start, you know, introducing them to different kinds of spices they can add to their food. And then through that process, I start to make a regimen that's palatable and easy for them to use. And so I use a combination of things. I, I will some, most of the time add a tincture, so I get that boost into the blood. So I use that as a transport carrier for whatever capsules and teas or other things that I'm using. And then start to working with with the emotional body later on. But I like to empower people by seeing their, so they can see their physical effects before I start to work into the subtle bodies.
0: Thank you, Marianne. That was great. And I have a question. When we are using herbs for medicine, does it take a little bit longer? It seems to me like sometimes popping a pill, we might see a difference or a shift in something immediately, where with herbalism, it's something that might take a little bit longer. It's something that we may need to be a little bit more disciplined with because it's working deeper. Like you said, rather than going straight to the symptoms, it's working with our entire system, our body.
2: Is that, is that true? Do we need to be a little more patient? It depends on what you're working with. Um, to be honest with you, I would say no. Um, and the reason why I say no is because again, depending on what we're working with, Mm -hmm. like I tend to use small doses more frequently through the day. So I'm going to hammer something. If I know what's going on with somebody and I know what I need to do, I'm going to go in there, you know? And so what I'm going to say to that, instead of taking one pill, you might be on seven doses a day, right? But you're going to get the same exact effect. Um, Now, as far as something working systematically and going deeper in the tissue, say somebody has a chronic thing, or they've been working on something for the last year and say they're on this medication. And the word discipline is really interesting Because our culture has really gotten used to, I want to say the miracle pill, right? They don't want to change their diet. They don't want to change their lifestyle style. They don't want to change anything. They just want to take something and have something go away. And then you start to see that the, I want to say the waterfall of pharmaceuticals start to come in, right? They start taking this for this and then this goes wrong. So then they have to start taking this and then, you know, and then they can't sleep. And then they're on a, you know, some sleep med and then, you know, this happens. And then pretty soon they wake up like, you know, three years later and they're on seven pills, you know, and that's a very, very common thing. And so already there, now we've construed this whole disempowered system because they never understood, or even, I want to say, you know, were empowered to understand what was going on with their body in the first place. And it could have been something really simple, like a food allergy, you know? Um, And so to, you know, go back and rewind and answer that question from the top, I always start people with a 10 day, really simple diet. And 99% of the time, I kid you not, I find something that they shouldn't be eating. And within, I give it 10 days, they're like, oh my God, I cannot believe it. I'm a totally different person. And then a lot of people that are really reluctant to change their lifestyles, you know, will, you know, be like, oh, I'm feeling better. And they'll stop seeing me, which I, I try to empower people that I am not like, you know, you don't need to continue to see me. You know, like I want to empower you through your food, what it is you're eating, what it is you're taking. And then you get to the point where you start to dose yourself when you need it, you know, and that's the way that it should be. It's like, we start to familiarize what our imbalances are. So when you feel out of whack, now you know what to do. You don't, you don't need me. You know, I just helped you to see your own personal, you know, I want to say discipline that word of where, what we need it to do to be back in balance and harmony. And so a lot of times people will go back and say, you know, start eating nightshades or something, you know, or want to go out to dinner or something like that. And then for three days, they can't get out of bed, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, this really hit me harder this time. And so that word discipline is really interesting because it brings us back to balance, you know, but in order to find that balance, well, we have to go off balance, right? And that, that word balance and discipline, I think is always changing throughout our lives. Does that answer the question? That does. I yeah, I got a tincture from um, the
0: local herb store and they're like, okay, take this four times a day and it's going to take a while, but it's going to work. Like, don't be lazy, you know, like you got to do it. So, so that's why I was curious about that. And then, so is herbalism and nutrition, do they work hand in hand?
2: I think 100% because, you know, going back to food, our spices, you know, that is herbalism already. You know, there's a reason why we mix oil and vinegar on a salad. You know, the vinegar breaks down the, you know, the chlorophyll so we can actually absorb it, including all the the B vitamins, the manganese, chlorophyll, all things like that. And then the oil is what helps the tissues to absorb it. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, and so all the time we're using salad dressing and we don't know why, <laughs> right? Or it's like, you know, you see olive oil and lemon juice. It's the, it's the same thing. And so I want to say, in terms of nutrition, it all started with herbalism. You know, there's a reason why all these spice mixes we've been using for so long, and now we call them um, chili spice mix, you know, taco seasoning, uh, Mexican seasoning, you know, all these different things. But there's there's a method to it all, you know, and that's originally where we where we had our medicine was our food, but because it's something that we put in our bodies multiple times a day. Fascinating.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting to think that different cultures are geared towards using specific ingredients, maybe depending on like what kind of ailments or issues that were surrounding. It just makes me curious as to like what they were combating or what they were trying to bring into balance with their style of eating.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's like really honoring the land that we live on, you know, like, for example, here in California, you know, and Judy, you know, we used to live on the coast and Patty, you're there. It's like, what's the most thing that we have? is respiratory and fungus. That's the whole forest is respiratory and antifungals. You know, it's, and so it's really amazing. And so like out here, you know, I'm inland. What do we have? We have tons of poison oak. What grows right next to poison oak? All the plants you need to cure poison oak, you know? And so, you know, and it's, it's really interesting too, with poison oak as a side note, I just want to say this because I absolutely love it, is that the other word for poison oak is love oak. And, you know, we have trampled our lands, you know, and, We call it this poison. I'm just going back to this balance and harmony aspect, you know, and poison oak works so hard to bring this balance to try to get us to recognize, you know, that we're going to get this this toxin or this poison in our skin because we're not paying attention, right? But what the poison oak actually does is it comes through land that's been totally, I want to say, taken over, you know, houses built, roads done, you know, all things like that. And when the indigenous plants start to come back in, poison oak leaves. And so it's a love of the forest. It doesn't take over. It's actually not an invasive, but it invades places that's been disrupted. And I absolutely love that about the plant. And it's really given me another, another regard and respect for, I want to say, the way that we need to start paying attention to the land that we're living on and going back to just different cultures and things. You know, it's, it's really something, you know, it's um, you know, honoring our our bloodlines, you know, honoring the land that we came from, but also honoring where we are today. And it helps us to build those kinds of surroundings. And so it's really interesting for people that I want to say travel a lot and things like that, or, you know, say you have a period of time in your life, you know, watch what you're craving and you know, and look it up. Like the other day, um, or last week I had a pretty bad stomach flu and I don't know who craves walnuts in the middle of a stomach flu. Okay. (laughs) And so I'm like, I'm like, there is, there's got to be something to this, you know? And so I immediately get on my phone and I'm like, what is the magical and lore of a walnut? You know? And, and I'm like, I kid you not like my mouth was like salivating for walnut. (laughs) (laughs) And so I get up and I start like reading all these protective, um, protective forces, which I felt like I really needed, but. I'm also in a great time of change in my life and how it just brings that, like that, that protective shell around you. And if you look at a walnut, it looks like a brain. And it's like me getting through these like new, I want to say new neural pathways that are coming in and me breaking out of old belief patterns. And, you know, in my head's just like, wow. And so I go into my pantry and I have hundreds of tinctures. I go into my pantry and I immediately pick up the walnut tincture. It had dust all over it. I haven't touched it in years. And, um, it was like just fully guided to, to Walnut and I I've been taking it and I have completely turned around. And so I just invite people to pay attention to what it is that they're craving. Like you, maybe you wake up and you're like, Oh my gosh, I really need some celery. Go beyond the physical aspect. Everybody's got a phone now, Google magic of celery. And then because, you know, everything starts to manifest, spiritually before it comes through the body physically and so if something is coming into our subconscious now is the time we need to start to pay attention because the earth is calling us back but our bodies have never left we've just become like disembodied right we've like given so much power to the mind which is what the walnut really was telling me and I you know forgot to really just trust my body in the process of my own stomach flu you know I'm sitting there going oh my god I have an entity and all these these things you know and um And I'm like, but I can do something about it.
1: That's so cool. I heard you say that you had the walnut tincture in there for years and you hadn't touched it. And I remember last year you had told me that tinctures don't really expire. Is that true? Because I've definitely had tinctures that I was like, I found and it was years later and I was like, oh, this isn't, probably isn't good. And I tossed it. And uh, I know that oftentimes when you go to the store, like a a co-op or a natural food store, that those tinctures have expiration dates on them. What is the truth? Can you debunk that or confirm that? Like, are they lasting forever or should we be cautionary?
2: Let's debunk this now. (laughs) Um, So the USDA is trying very, very hard to get herbal medicine off of the shelf. And lots of companies that I won't name um, are having to pull their products off the shelf and rename the the titles. And it's very hard for, I want to say local herbalists to put their medicine on the shelf. Now um, there's all these different kinds of testings that cost hundreds of dollars to put anything onto the shelf. A very simple way to put this is like, say somebody you were traveling and, or, or, you know, your grandparent has this old bottle of scotch. Would you throw it out? No. So why would you throw, why would you throw out the tincture, you know? And because if you like think about all these like old liqueurs and liquors, they're tinctures. They have all of these different herbs in them. A lot of them, they're all made from plants. And so with tinctures, they have started putting expiration dates on them and everything in California has the proposition on it, that this may cause cancer. You know, I have that all over my shop now. I have to, it's really kind of you know, alarming, but it is what it is. At least I'm allowed to be open, but the USDA and different, I won't name, but different, you know, companies have been going into herb shops and really hassling um, shop owners and things like that, trying to get everybody to close. So the shelf life on tinctures have become less and less and less, but a tincture is good for, I, I believe indefinitely. Um, it depends on the herb. Like, I mean, if you open it up and there's you know something on top. I mean, I would say an alcohol tincture is never gonna go bad, you know. 30 years would probably be the you know, the minimum I would put on something. Same with the glycerite, honey. I mean, honey was found in the tombs of of Egyptians, you know, and still good. So it just depends on what you're using. And also it depends on how the tincture is made. You know, some people do make tincture out of boiling down plant material for, you know, some herbalists will do it for like three days and only add a little bit of alcohol. That kind of tincture is going to go bad, right? Versus like, you know, I want to say Everclear or something like that. That's never going to go bad. And so also depending on the plant, did you use fresh plant or dry plant? You know, those things might matter if you've got water in there, but using alcohol-based tinctures, I don't believe that they go bad. And as far as shelf stability of plants in general, leaves and flowers usually up to a year and roots and berries up to three years, shelf-stable you know, and just keep them in a, in a cool dry place, all oils, just like the oils we have on our shelf, always check for rancidity. But if you have a great oil that you absolutely love that somebody gave you, just put it in the fridge. They last forever. I hope that answers the question. Cause it's a, you know, it's a really, it's a really important question to know, because it's like, we've got all this great medicine and I, it happens to me at the shop all the time. I have to acknowledge what the expiration date says, and they're not bad. I give them away as samples or put a heavy discount on the shelf or use them when I need to and things like that.
1: Yeah. Ever since you disclosed that to me, every time I go in to one of those stores, I always look on that discount shelf. Oh yeah. (laughs) To see. I love (laughs) a deal. Great great deal. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Hey, Maureen, I
0: wanted to talk to you a little bit about muscle testing. When I go to choose a teacher or something, what I'll do is I'll hold it in my hand, or if there's two choices, I'll hold both choices. And then I'll just kind of go with my intuition and where I'm being guided with that. Is that something
2: that um, that you think is valid or that you use at all? 100%. So if I'm by myself, I'll do one at a time and cause I can't, you know, test my muscles completely. I'll actually hold it in front of my heart space. I'll close my eyes and I'll see if I lean forward or backwards hmm. and, and that'll, and then, you know, and then I'll try another one and I'll see what happens and, and I'll go from there. But muscle testing is absolutely phenomenal. And, and I think that, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a very empowering tool that people can really use because they can see the effects. Like before I do it on anybody, especially people are like, Oh my gosh, let's see if this works. I always have them state their name, muscle, test them, and then then give me a false name and muscle test them. And I'll go through a series of questions, whether I know the answers or not so they can see that they actually lose all muscle strength when they give me a false answer, when I don't know the answer, (laughs) you know, and then we'll go through and start testing herbs. And I know we've also gotten so
0: far away from intuitive eating you know, that's something else that I do is I'm a terrible shopper and I hate to cook, but I will go to the grocery store and I will walk through the produce aisle and I'll be like called towards the basil and I'll just pick it up and smell it. And then I will figure out what my meal is going to be around that product rather than putting together a recipe and then going to the store and buying all of the things. So, you know, what you said about the walnut tincture, I'm like, oh, well, maybe this is kind of what I'm doing is I'm intuitively being drawn to maybe the herbal medicine I need and then putting together the meal and the nutritional, other nutritional aspects around it. Is that a thing?
2: Exactly. And so this really brings in Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine where food is the herbs and spices are the herbal medicine and what you're eating. And, you know, and then they slowly add things back, but everything is very, very food-based. And so that is exactly where we need to be at. And that's what I was saying is pay attention to your cravings and what is your body calling you to ask? And this is where we can start to have some fun with it, like for you, Basil. And so looking up the lore, and I always say with books, with herbalism, yes, books are great, but to go through a few references, see what resonates with you and take what resonates and leave the rest. Because this is about your own personal connection, your own personal calling, your own personal body. That's someone else's perspective, right? And so we need to start learning to trust what it is that we're, what we're craving, what it is we're smelling, what it is we're thinking, you know, and really start to become on our own paths. And I truly believe that I say this all the time. And so, excuse me, for those of you that know me, have heard this speech a million times, but- um, you know, plants have been on this earth for thousands of years before we have, and we have dopamine receptors in our brain. And, and one of my teacher's fathers was a neurologist and he studied this because his son was a, a, a herbalist. And he was like, you know, what is the point of having these dopamine receptors if, you know, the byproduct is, is horrible. And if you think about a lot of our stream of, of addiction or even like mental cycles and stuff like that, we need those dopamine hits, you know what I mean? And so it is said that we have dopamine receptors because it's the way that plants communicate through the brain. And it is how they cross the the blood brain barrier. And, and it's a really interesting concept to really, truly think about because we've lost a lot of this connection, you know, by, you know, we live in a lot of cities, we're always in cars, we're inside our houses and things like that. But it's like, we're losing this connection. And so the grocery store or what it is that we're craving, we're always being called back. You know, like we are animals. If, you know, like, yes, we're in our houses and we have all these roads and all this other stuff, but it's still a giant forest. And, and so it's like, how do we co-create? And I feel like honoring our cravings, as basic as that sounds, is reciprocity to the soul and to the land.
1: A question that comes to mind is, you know, in your experience, do you think that the majority of people are coming in for herbal remedies based on like, oh, something's going on with me right now and I need like something to get me through it or help heal me. Or is herbalism oftentimes used as like maintenance and upkeep, like something that people are just like, like a supplement, like when you're taking your vitamins, like something to just kind of keep the system functioning and flowing to, to its best ability.
2: I think the people that have been using herbs for a little while longer will use it in supplement form. People that have something going on are people that haven't been used using herbs for that long, but are looking for a natural outlet. And that is a really interesting question because what I noticed during COVID. So, you know, I own, you know, an herb shop in a pretty small rural community and a lot of people had never even been into the shop, you know, and it was the first time ever people were coming in and not coming in because they were sick. They were coming in because they wanted to learn about preventative medicine, right? We had this big fear thing, but also like, well, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of our, our conversation is the shadow comes in. There's a lot of light too, right? And so it's like, oh, I can do something about this. I can protect myself. And so a lot more people started coming into the shop and learning about different kinds of preventative care and then, and started going from there. And I think if we start to look around more and more people are doing that, you know, I'm changing their diets turning to herbs turning to natural supplements um you know starting to em- empower themselves and also feel i want to say empowered through the covid mystery too you know like i made it you know um and so it's it's brought some all these other different things to it but i think to answer that question i think it's both because i think when somebody starts to come in and they're like hey i got to get through this they see that it works and then they start to realize what they need for maintenance
1: do you have like a, of of all the herbs that you work with, do you have one that you are like, this one is like a powerhouse? You know, I'm sure there's many of them, but do you have like a couple that you could name that you're like, these are like the quintessential?
2: I think I would need a category. I do have like a pocket full of those herbs, you know, for myself, but, you okay. know, I have my own personal imbalances.
1: For me, like, I don't like taking any kind of medicines. I don't like taking Tylenol or ibuprofen specifically, which is this easy grab. You know, you have a headache, you have a little aches, a little pains, and you can grab it. I rather almost just sit through discomfort than take that for some reason, even though it gives me relief. What would you recommend for somebody who would normally go for that medication?
2: To experience relief in the body, I normally go for homeopathic arnica. Homeopathics are really interesting because, you know, supplements or herbs, a lot of times even our food and antibiotics were, you know, treating the force, right? Like it's like, okay, I have inflammation. I need an anti-inflammatory, right? They're opposing forces. When we use a homeopathic, it's like treats like. So um, you know, if you were to go into the forest and make yourself some arnica tea, you would probably blow up like a balloon. And like complete inflammation and complete pain. And so when you take it homeopathically, it's like treats like. And so it brings you the pain relief that you actually need in the moment. And if somebody is feverish, I tend to use very, very hot tea of yarrow and lemon balm to bring the circulation to the top of the skin. So the skin barrier can release the fever that way. You know, and it's really interesting that you brought up the, the Tylenol example and that you, you know, would prefer to not take it because biologically that's an, that's an intuitive resource on your end. Febrile seizures are real. And that's another thing. We always suppress things, right? That's the pharmaceutical nation, suppression, suppression, suppression. It's like, for some reason, we fear the surrender of our own body because we have no trust in it. You know, it's like, oh, my God, my kid has a fever. I automatically got to go get Tylenol. Um, I have a fever. I need to barrel through this. I'm just going to go get, um, you know, aspirin or whatever and just get on with my day. I don't have time for this. And so the suppression actually prolongs whatever is happening in the body. Your body has is not working its natural process. Like using that fever and as an example, we get a fever for a reason our body is working very hard to create an environment that is not sustainable for the virus or bacteria, whatever it is that we're fighting. And so it creates a very strong immune system for us to be able to go through these processes. And the way that evolution has worked on this planet is through viruses and bacteria, and we are not excluded. And that is what I want to say is like using the like treats like, and using plants to boost our own capabilities to actually go through the process. And so it's not going to eliminate it, you know, unless it's bacteria, that's different. But as far as a virus, because viruses, you can't kill. They're active or de- you, you, they're either active or they're not. And so when we get something and we use like herbs, it just shortens the duration and it eases the pain. If you use aspirin or Tylenol, it eases the pain and lengthens the duration.
1: Wow, interesting. When you were using the term to use it homeopathically, can you explain that?
2: Yeah. So homeopathics are really interesting. They are the energy of plants. And, you know, even though I know it sounds like voodoo and voodoo, they are available in every single, you know, natural food grocery store that you go into. And homeopathic doctors have been around for hundreds of years at this point. It's been a long-term use. And so I would say the the stronger it's diluted, And that's the, by the number you'll see on the bottle, it's actually stronger medicine. So imagine it this way. Um, Say I brew a cup of tea and I've got 10 jars, right? The first jar is the one brewed cup of tea, just regular tea. And the next nine jars next to it are filled with water. So now I'm going to take a dropper and I'm going to take one drop of the tea and put it into jar number two. Now jar number two is filled with water and has one drop of that tea. Now I'm going to take one drop of that and put it in the next one and so on. Then you make your homeopathic at that point, And they're usually in sugar pills. And so you don't touch them because it imbalances the harmony of the energetics that are in there. And with homeopathics, it's nothing in the mouth besides water 20 minutes before and 20 minutes after. Because your energetic body is synchronizing with the energy of the plant. And that's how it's able to come in. It recognizes that you are the same, it's the like treats like. And so it does this on a very, very minuscule thing on the body, it's like, you know, going back to like nano research almost, if you wanna put it that way, you know? And once it starts to harbor in that way, it's pretty incredible.
0: Marianne, I have a question. I've used the homeopathic Arnica for like, when I broke my ankle, cause it, it really helped me with the pain for that. If you are needing something for like a headache, like something kind of instantaneously that's going to really help. Would that work for this as well? Because I've had some, I have a terrible horror story about Advil. And so I stay away from it as much as I can. But sometimes if you have a headache and you just need to go to work.
2: Oh yeah, no, I understand. So it depends on if somebody gets headaches all the time, I would use pulsatilla instead or homeopathic poke root and maybe combine it with Arnica. Um, So pulsatilla is an herb that whenever our body is in havoc, it's havoc treats havoc. So like, say somebody is just, you know, kind of like off balance, or they're not sure why they're getting the headaches or whatever it is. Pulsatilla actually helps to calm that whole state down and starts to go up through the thalamus gland where all the signals start to come down through the body. So it helps to stab- stabilize from the top. And then the poke root. it said that it pokes our system to work back to normal. So those two together work Really, really well to get the right signals to start to trigger trigger through the body. Then I would use the arnica. Um, so, because that's a little bit different, because arnica is specific to I want to say nerve and injury pain, or you know, like something specific that happened. Like, say you just had a baby, or like you, you broke your ankle, right? Headaches have come from a different place.
0: Just so people are aware of this, I get cluster headaches, and I had a, an eight day headache. I took Advil for eight days. And I normally have really low blood pressure from taking Advil for 10 day, for eight days, my blood pressure went sky high. I had to yeah. go to the ER. I then had to be on high blood pressure medication. Like it was ridiculous. And I, you know, I, I don't think people realize how serious this is because, you know, we've been taking Advil and Tylenol, you know, for many years and we think it's no big deal, but it took me months of on high blood pressure and then I had to go off of that medication and now I'm back to my extra low blood pressure, but it totally changed my whole body just from taking it that long.
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, and be grateful because like I said with the suppression thing, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, your body's not allowing you to bury it anymore. You know, it's, it's wanting to to come forward and, it, you know, for, you know, for you to like, to, for you to see that. And it's interesting with the blood because, I mean, going back to, to plants in general, in this conversation, this is a great segue into, to blood pressure and just blood in general, we are made of the same thing like plants, you know, chlorophyll and hemoglobin are the same except for like the magnesium and the iron molecule in the center. We're literally the same. We need, we need light, you know, they, they take light and they transmute it. Right. And that's how they create their photosynthesis process and their nutrients. We need to uptake the blood, right. And what comes from the blood is the nutrients from the plants you know, and, and so this whole process, you know, goes vice versa, you know, and we also need sunlight and all these other things. And so it's calling you to plants. What is this deeper meaning behind these headaches? But the blood pressure is really tries to come to the surface to, I want to say, bring in disharmony of what has been put into the blood and Advil is really hard on the liver.
1: What about things like antibiotics, which is also a very common thing that people take? And I know that there's a lot of side effects. I remember taking antibiotics for something and then it created issues for something else. And what is something that people could take if they're having an infection or have an allergy to like penicillin, for example, and can they look to effective herbs to help them? 100%.
2: 100%. And I will say antibiotic herbs and antibiotic pharmaceuticals are both going to wipe your gut out. It's, it's just antibiotic. So it's, it's antibacteria, you know, and we have beneficial bacteria in our gut. And so usually what I do, my number, my personal number one go to for an infection is golden seal. Um, And so I use separate tinctures, even though they sell them together of golden seal and echinacea, I will usually have someone do 30 drops, every two hours for 24 hours. And then I start to take it down from there. I start to segregate it. And then, you know, depending on what kind of infection it is, sometimes I'll have them stay on it for two weeks, but they'll be at like five times a day. And it's, it's worked 100% of the time, like no doubt. And as far as the, you know, that issue that you're talking about, as far as wiping out the gut and causing, you know, yeast infections, different types of headaches or skin breakouts, things like that. Um, is that you always take probiotics 45 minutes away from any antimicrobial herbs. And what I mean by antimicrobials, antifungal, antiviral, antiparasitical, um, anything anti, you would take your your um, probiotics 45 minutes away because if you take your probiotics with antibiotics or herbal antibiotics, you just kill the probiotics, but you do need to take them. So Mariana, we've been talking
0: a lot about using herbs for specific illnesses. And herbalists can use herbs in so many different ways other than teas and tinctures. You know, there's bathings, there's poultices, salves, candles, smoke, tinctures, you know, infusions. There's so many other things to use. Now, are most of these holistic other than the tinctures and the teas. Like if you were using herbs in a bath or using herbs as an infusion or using herbs um, in a candle that you light. So these may not necessarily be prescribed for something specific, but you can use them to help balance your mind, body, spirit in in a way that may not be treating something specific, but may just be making you um, or helping you to find more balance.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, you know, plants just like us are are spiritual beings. They're alive, and so they communicate to us. And they're a great way to, I want to say, be able to feel empowered and trust in you know our own personal journey. Offer us protection when we need to, clarity, love, um, break open to feelings, break out of old patterns, bring us comfort. You know, they all have their own spirits. And so I, I love that you bring this up because it's one of the things that I like to really personally introduce people to is, you know, like say, even if you're being called to basil, like what happens when you put a basil piece of basil leaf in your shoe every day, watch and see what happens. I always put herbs in my candles on, you know, taking a bath is actually another great way to administer herbs because we actually absorb a lot through our belly button. And so being able to, you know, like, say if you can't hold any food down or just nothing feels really good to you, you know, putting a lot of herbs in our bathtub is actually a really great way because it just comes into the skin, you know, and our skin is our largest organ, but yes, it does bring, you know, balance and harmony to our subtle bodies, you know, and especially our, our mental mind and our heart, because it brings us back to our center.
1: For those people out there who have been interested in learning more about herbs, do you have any recommendations? You know, I know you've been to a lot of different teachers and schools. Have you done all of them in person? Have you taken any online courses? How do those compare, you know, to in-person classes? And do you have any uh, herbal schools or teachers that you would recommend that you could uh, turn some people towards?
2: Yeah, um, I've done all of the above and, you know, it would just, it would just depend on what type of herbalism somebody was interested in before I gave recommendations, right? Cause there's traditional Chinese medicine, there's Ayurveda, there's Western herbalism. And then with Western herbalism, there's more like the scientific method versus, versus the folk method. And, um, you know, is somebody more interested in wildcrafting or there, do they want to be more of a kitchen witch? Um. And so, you know, different teachers have their, their own talents in schools and what they, what they've brought forth. Um, but I think online classes are really amazing. And one thing I love about online classes, as long as somebody can, you know, some people don't do well with them if they don't like being disciplined on their own, you know, some people do better in groups and things like that. But, um, I found that online classes are pretty awesome because you're kind of forced to get in touch with what you're. Houses surrounding in right you've got to like go outside and you've got to like go on this adventure you've got to go to the herb shop and you got to ask your own questions and then you know maybe you didn't get your teachers then you got to go on google and and so it almost like makes you like really engage with something a lot harder than you would have you know like because there's there's always an opportunity in class to space out right (laughs) and even though like you did the whole project you don't remember it you know but you're definitely gonna remember when you like screwed up 10 times and you know all these other things and then group classes are really awesome too, because you get that hands-on experience, you know, of like, you know, how is it that I, I do this and that. And also I think that in person is great, especially, um, you know, for people that aren't around a lot of people who, you know, are into that kind of world. It's a place where they can meet other people that are also interested in the same things and, and you know, and create different families and communities of, of something like that. But I do have a ton of recommendations just depending on where somebody lives and if they want to study online or in person and depending on what kind of herbalism that they're really interested in. I cannot stop taking classes. As you said, um, my dad calls me a forever student. Um, it, you probably would laugh at it if I told you how many herbal certifications I have. And for me, I haven't been after the certification. So I I'm like you said, Jude, at the beginning, I'm, I'm after the knowledge and the connection and, you know, and as personally as I'm growing and changing and evolving, so, so are my passions, you know? And so I, I go in and out of different things as to personally, what am I connecting to? Like, for example, like, I mean, I went through a whole left field with walnut the other day. You know? <laughs> so, um, so the one, and I'll, you know, I think a great reference Is Matthew Wood and it's, uh, you know, and Matthew Wood School of Verbalism, he has a whole website and what he's also got. So he's got like full school. He's, you could go there. Um, you can get, you know, consultations from him, but what he does have, and I, I absolutely love it. I'm still on it. Um, it's like $54 a month or something like that. And there's like 16 classes, different full curriculums he's got on his website. And you just pay this monthly subscription and you can go through all of these classes. He's got everything on there from spirit medicine to animal medicine, to homeopathics, to cell salts, to Western herbalism, Ayurveda, like, I mean, to magical herbalism, that would be a great resource to start. And he brings in a lot of people from the herbal community. Um, and he's because he's not focused on one type of herbalism either. It's been his path his whole life. And so that's the one place I would, you know, if somebody were more geared towards online, it's a great place to really open up to.
0: That sounds fascinating. And I have another question for you. I use herbs in my spell casting and divination, and do you use it that way? And so how I use it is if I have a purpose, like, you know, whatever my intention is for the spell, I will, you know, if you're around, I'll ask you, or I will Google, herbs that help with this or this, and there would be the spiritual aspect of basil or whatever. So do you use it for divination and spellcasting and spiritual work? And then if somebody wanted to to start working that way,
2: would you suggest Googling? Is Googling safe? I use divination all the time. And I do think that Google is safe because I think... You know, when we start to Google something like, you know, going back to like, okay, I've got to do a banishing spell or, you know, I feel like this plant is coming to me, you know, like you were saying, like basil or something, you know, you start to Google and you start to, you know, like look up several websites and see what resonates with you. And then you can take it from there and start to build other things on there and say, you know, you find a website and it's like, oh, basil works really well with cinnamon or whatever, depending on what you're doing. But I do think it's safe because I think everything is trial and error, you know, but I think it's a great segue to, I mean, Google's awesome. It's like, you know, to be empowered through seeing other people's um, rituals and to try them at home. And I always tell
0: people when they're Googling, sometimes you can Google things and get two different versions. And then I always say, go with whatever feels right to you or whatever speaks to you of those, those options.
2: And I think that's how, you know, in general, how divination works. It's like, you know, looking at different cultures, also looking at, you know, going back to witchcraft, we used plants that were around us. Um, Ancestors used plants that were growing in the wild. And so it's like, where, what land are you on right now? It's taking use of, there's different ways in divination to use different plants. You know that, I mean, one plant is used all over the world and they use it much differently you know, like even hibiscus, like there's traditions in Japan and Hawaii and, you know, and they all have different symbolism to go with. And so that's why I always like encourage people to read all the different ones and see what resonates and what that calling personally is, is for them. And then they can start to kind of expand on it because it's like, you can take one attribute of a plant and then start to really expand and build on it and start to see wherever else it fits in, in your life. And what about foraging? So foraging can be tricky. I would really, in my heart, want to recommend the plant apps, but they're not always right. Um, I always recommend Peterson Field Guides because they're great. And there's, you know, we only have a couple really deadly plants, but many are, you know, can be toxic. But I think foraging is a great option. And maybe, you know, in order to start with that is choosing some really safe plants and things that we have been using forever, like dandelion you know, like something that, you know, but I think foraging is a great idea. And picking a really simple plant because it gets you into the woods and it gets you to see what that plant is surrounded by. It gets you to smell the fresh air, to hear some birds, to look at what water is around, um, to connect into the nature of that living being to see its environment and why you're being called there
1: let's say like, you know, I feel inspired now. I'm like, wow, I live in the tropics. There's so many plants out here. I could probably be putting a little more effort in preserving some of these medicines that are around me. And I'm thinking, oh, that'd be great. You have like a infinite shelf life of these tinctures. I mean, are making tinctures that complicated? Do we really need to know like per plant is the like the way it's done differently? Or is it kind of like a, sort of baseline recipe across the board that you could be like foraging for plants that you are confident about that are in your area and then have, you know, a stockpile of these different tinctures that you could call upon according to your needs.
2: Yes. And yes. Um, so Different herbalists tincture different, you know, like what I was saying, um, you know, somebody brewing that strong tea and adding some alcohol and Michael Moore tinctures everything with 95% alcohol. And then some herbalists will have, you know, different percentages for alcohols of plants. You can use 95% alcohol for, for any plant, you know, and, and the reason why they use different percentages is because, you know, some parts of the plant are more del- delicate, but the alcohol is going to pull out the medicinal qualities of the plant. So um that goes back to the scientific method versus the folk method. So if the scientific method, you know, it, it's a certain percentage of alcohol, you weigh a certain amount of grams, you have a certain amount of volume, right? It's like almost like you're a chemist. The folk method, which is my preferred method and also the way that I was trained, because if you really go back to our ancestors, they definitely didn't have beakers and scales. Uh, in theory, is when you use dry plant material, it's one to five ratio. So because if you think about a dry plant material, it's much smaller and it's condensed. So you, you know, say you have a mason jar, one fifth of the way up is your plant material and the rest is alcohol. That's it. And you, you let it sit for six weeks and then you can strain it or not. Some tinctures I don't strain at all. I know many herbalists who have unstrained tinctures. Just keep them and use them. Um, they're not going to go bad, you know, and they don't keep continuing to pull the medicine out either. There's only so much that alcohol is going to pull out. Um, and then if you have fresh plant material, uh, you take a jar, you fill it up and you leave two inches of the top for room and you fill it up two inches above your plant material with alcohol. And so you'll have to watch it over a couple of days because with, you know, raw plant material, after it starts to absorb the alcohol, it will start to inflate a little bit. So sometimes you have to add a little bit more, but you always want two inches above your plant material. And again, minimum sit is six weeks. And then, you know, then you can start to have fun with it. You know, say you, you know, a lot of people will make medicine on the new moon or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever cycle that has the, you know, has an intention in their life, like going back to, you know, Patty's question of divination, you know, or, or with me with the walnut, maybe I'll make a a walnut tincture on a full moon for things to become really illuminated of what those patterns are in my mind, you know, and so you can start to add these different things. So maybe Judy, you go into the forest and you start foraging something and you start to notice, Oh, this plant, and you start to notice that dream that you had that night, and then you have an intention for it, you know, and and say, you know, and, and then this is why I just want to mix in the divination with the um, you know, the actual properties of the plant is because they they work both ways, you know. So say, for example, you make a tincture of hibiscus, and you know, you got this tincture and You know, it's an astringent, it's going to dry up mucous membranes, it's high in vitamin C, it's an antiviral and you write those are you got, you know, you got those basic concepts of it. Well, and it builds the blood, right, because it's red. And then so it's like, but then you're starting to have dreams. And so then you're going to work with the spirit of the hibiscus. So you're not going to take tincture amounts, you know, you're just going to put one drop in your water and then you're taking the essence of that plant and your harvest and where you were in your life and, you know, and all these things start getting added to it. And so there's something really beautiful about, you know, creating our own, you know, divination ceremonies and collecting our own medicine, because you start to see what's reflected in your life. That's how plants communicate to us. It's not through words. It's through mirroring our reflection. You know, it's like, so start to pay attention to what kind of conversations are you happening? What kind of people are showing up in your life and seeing this mirror of reflection and what kind of strengths and clarity they're bringing to you.
0: Okay, Mariana, huh. what is your most memorable or profound experience with a plant? Oh boy. I've heard a few of yours. They're fascinating.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My most memorable and profound experience with a plant I do have many, but I guess I'll share my my most recent one, even though it's kind of personal and it's funny because it's hibiscus.
0: <laughs> oh. I just shared
2: that. So um, I was with Jude in Costa Rica and we were on retreat, plant medicine retreat. And I had um, personally started grieving my boyfriend passing when I was 19, but I wasn't like going through the experience. He wasn't there. It was like I was feeling actually finally sorry for myself. I went through that. And it was like, I remembered when I was 19 and I remembered all these conversations anyway. So here comes hibiscus, like full in my face, you know, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm like, I have, I've got to look up like what this means. And, um, you know, I've started going through all these different symbolisms. I got on Google and I was like, okay, yes, yes. And I, I get that. I was like, but what, what really is this? And, hibiscus helps to unlock frozen and forgotten memories and traumas in the body and in our, um, in our heart. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so, and this is so profound because I get home and I go get some body work done. And after my boyfriend had passed the left side of my body was numb for two years. I would like pinch myself all the time. And I had such bad anxiety. So I, and I've been getting body work from her for years. And she says to me, Mariana, you're like homogenized milk. She was like, your right side has all this energy and your left side is limp. And I couldn't believe she said that because she's never said that to me before, but she could finally see it. I was letting her see it. It was unlocking, you know? And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So I dive back in, I go back on Google again and it's specific for what's in the hip. My hip's been frozen forward for almost 12 years and it's coming out now. And so I've been using the flower essence of hibiscus every day and my life has changed so much. I have been offered this space of this compassion that I hold for myself. Like even yesterday, I realized, you know, that saying like when you're really depressed and you're like, oh, I'm walking around feeling sorry for myself. And that's usually like we're being hard on ourselves. I'm actually using that in the literal sense when something happens. I start to be like, Oh my God, you poor thing, (laughs) you know? And, but it's been hibiscus that's, that's brought this to me. And, and the fact that, you know, the flower thinking about the full bloom of that flower and that aspect of myself that was 19 years old and frozen as 19. And I realized all these relationship patterns that I've been in have been sprung from that. It was this 19 year old girl wanting this love. She lost her love, you know, and and was frozen in in this time i never brought her to flower and so it's like holding her and allowing her to flower and to to be with me so i can flower in my life um and so it's just been kind of this beautiful journey my that's my recent most profound experience with a plant that's so beautiful yeah
1: i love it i you know mariana when we were in san diego and we had done the the plant medicine Together. And uh, when we do that circle with the women, we have these Amazonian flower essences and there's like hundreds of flowers from the Amazon in these seven different bottles that are like um, formulated for each chakra and they're very potent. And I've done a number of these retreats now. And so with every retreat, we get to choose, you know, everybody intuitively chooses like what they want to work with. And I tend to stay in the like throat third eye crown chakra every single time throat third eye crown chakra. And this one particular day in the ceremony, I had forgot to bring uh, water with me. And I was like, Mariana, I was like, pour some of your water in my, in this cup over here. Cause I, I forgot to bring the water And she gives it to me and I take a swig of it. She's like, oh, no. She's like, I I put the sacral flower essence in there because we recommend that you only work with one of them, like not to mix them. Like if you're going to work with one, work with it. And I had chosen mine, but I had not taken it that day. And I ended up drinking the sacral one and I ended up having this full sacral activation during the whole ceremony into the next day. And we were just like cracking up about it. I was like that sacral, you know, flower (laughs) essence cracked me open, you know, because I would have never chosen it otherwise, you know, but it was the exact thing that I needed. So just just saying, just validating that these flowers, these essences, these herbs, the medicine that's within them, the spirit – the intention everything it's very powerful and if you're open to receive it it is even more powerful you know i think that there needs to be a two way relationship between us and the plants if you're if you're closed off if you're not open to it if you're not willing to work with that because these are conscious spirits that we're connecting with you know it's not just some chemical that like you know as you said is just going right to the to the point of, of the issue. These are, you know, intelligent beings in my perspective that we're making contact with and and formulating these relationships for healing. So yeah, I just wanted to share that.
2: No. And thank you for sharing. And, and, you know, and I think that's such a really valid point in this, this aspect of, of receiving, you know, I think it's been hard for most people, right. You know, to, to receive and, um, you know, and it's like to really ask, you know is is my heart open and and sit with that question you know we have a lot of like you know patty you had brought it up earlier you know um this distrust or you know this lack of faith and i think the invitation here is to just try you know and allow this receiving you know and just going back to what i was saying you know these these plants that you know they they chose to be here with us you know and if we start to shift that perception of what it is, we can actually allow ourselves to, to see, um, to let in everything becomes alive. You know, I mean, everything of the earth comes alive, you know, and then you can start to look up every insect that, flies by you. Oh my God, I got to look up dragonfly, dragonfly just flew by, you know, and you look that up and, oh my gosh, I saw a snake in my garden. And, you know, you look that up and, you know, and we all know, you know, the crystals, but connecting with the stones, you know, what mineral is really found on the land that you're on and, and things like that. And, and everything really starts to, to come alive and going back with, with divination um, that also goes with receiving, How can we receive that blessing, you know, and I always say there's a huge difference between intention and attention, you know, we can set an intention, but if we're only paying attention for the way that we want it to show up, we're closed off. The universe has this divine plan, our soul has this divine plan, we created everything out of love. And, you know, and it's like honoring this continual motion of the earth. You know, that the rivers and the streams, like the water is always moving, the wind is always blowing, you know, things are in constant motion, you know, and it's looking at the moon is in a constant cycle. The sun is in a constant cycle, the earth is in a cycle, you know, and it goes in these spirals. And I think that, you know, going back to what I was saying, is you know, these spiritual beings here. They're so raw and vulnerable, you know, they shed all of their leaves and they go back fully into the ground and they come back up and they have a whole new life and cycle, but it's a continuum of the previous one, right? They use that compost as their nutrients. And we get so hung up and this is where this victimization, this lack of trust and lack of faith comes. We're so afraid to let go, you know, of these these old things for like trying to hold on to, I want to say like, broken limbs and, and rotting leaves. And, um, you know, and it's causing a lot of sickness. And this isn't the natural cycle of who we are. And so plants can bring us back to what that means and using plants and divination to understand the cycles of our lives, our psyche, where we're at, um, you know, things like that. But it's like, you know, how do we how do we see and acknowledge repeat stories in our lives? we've lost that ancestral connection of where we came from. You know, we've lost veneration. We've lost honoring the plants as spiritual beings. We've, we've lost this aspect. And so we can start to bring that back with divination and using plants as spirit guides as to acknowledging what patterns and imbalances that we're having. What is this story that we just need to tell ourselves? How do we just need to receive our own self that we don't need to show up for anybody else, but our full selves, you know, and have all of our emotions and show our scars and our flowers and let our leaves go. And, you know, then we can continue to write our story, you know, and it's evolving, you know, and it's like, think about yourself a year ago today, you're so much better, right? Everything's okay. And so it's a way for you know, these beings to remind us to continue to flower, to continue to be in the cycles of our lives and to really help us receive the love and beauty of what it means to be alive here in this dimension and connected to all, you know, the underworld, the upper world and the middle world. We navigate all three worlds every day.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Mariana. That that was so beautiful. You are such a knowledgeable, wise, talented, and spiritually connected woman, um, your brain capacity blows my mind. <laughs> you know, like you can just pull stuff up at, at you know, moments notice and you're, you're so connected. And it's just an honor to be your friend and such an honor to have you um, join us again and guest. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, Mariana, it's always amazing. I learned so much. Every single time, even if we're having just like a friendly conversation on a random day, you and I. And uh, what I think I love about you most is like how much you have sought out your understanding of so many different things. If it's not the stars, if it's the herbs, if it's divination, if it's you know, the land, your physical body. And you have such a deep understanding of everything that you're able to thread all of these connections and make them all make sense. It's like you're always deciphering the enigma of the pattern and the code of this reality. And it's just so interesting to hear you uh, talk and piece it all together. And uh, you bring so much to the table You know, even the events that we've been doing and you coming in as a teacher, she teaches yoga and she does these astrology talks and brings in the tinctures and talks about the herbs, even bringing in breathwork. So you have such a wide array of offerings. You're an awesome teacher and facilitator. And I highly recommend um, all of Mariana's offerings uh, to everybody out there. So how can people reach you?
2: I just want to say thank you both for that amazing <laughs> uh, gratitude for me. I, I'm really honored to be here. Um, people can reach me. I'm Trinity Herbals and Wellness Um, That's my website. All my readings and offerings are on there. Um, What I've been telling people, if you don't see a reading or something that you want to dive into, just reach out. I create different kinds of readings. Um, I have been doing more divination work with people. Um, I've been adding energetic plant medicine to my astrology reading. So say for example, you know, I, I read your chart and you're really kind of struggling in this area. What kind of plant essences can we, can we boost through there? And so I'll have people kind of sleep on their reading and, and throw me a couple of few keywords because um, you know, a lot of things come through after you speak them out loud and obviously herbal consultations and things like that. Um, so I have been interweaving them more and more. And, uh, you know, and, and please reach out if you just have questions in general, but um, as far as the shop goes, you know, I do offer tinctures, spices, teas, aromatherapy, lots of divination things. So crystals, tarot cards, wands, pendulums, and um, all the different chakra working things, roll-on sprays, um, protection mist, smudge sticks. And so- you can order online or do a phone order. And so, yeah. And so that's just Trinity Rebels and wellness center.com. And, you know, we can attach the link below the podcast. And I just want to say it's such an honor to, to be here with you guys. You know, we've, we've all known each other for so long. And you guys have both seen me really in these, you know, places of not being able to, to trust my, myself or, you know, anything that's, that's coming in and, you know, you guys have been such a, a support and, you know, really honoring and seeing my heart and my, you know, in my place and have really, I I'm going to start crying because that's like, it's just, it's such an honor to, to be seen for, you know, my own personal path. And, um,
1: I'm just really grateful. We love you. Okay, well, amazing, Mariana, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in Mexico soon. I'm over here on the islands, but we'll be uh, together in about six months or so, and same with Patty, and we're going to have a lot of fun. If you would like to see anything else of what Patty and I are offering, you can find our individual website links through spiritspeakerspodcast.com. You can also visit our Instagram at spiritspeakerspodcast. We are super grateful for your donations. I'm telling you that really does help us because we really like to not put ads in to keep the ball rolling and cover the costs of having to uh, keep the podcast up and available for you all. So, Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for sharing this podcast with your friends and spreading the word of the work that we're doing. We appreciate you. Until next time, aloha. Take care. Bye.